fair to say you simply flooded the system with money? Yes, we did. That's another way to think about it. We did. Where does it come from? Do you just print it? We print it digitally. Look at what it means. This is why I'm saying, like, this is a lie that's been purported by Walt. The lowest rates, everything gets better all of a sudden. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. What about hard work? What about it? You work hard? Gods were like 30 to 1 against me. Yeah, I mean, there are very few people that, from my neighborhood, you know, in my environment, that make it out, uh, I mean, forget about being to be successful, to make it out alive. Yo, what's going on, people? Top of the top. It's a beautiful morning. Uh, we all around the country right now. We're back trading places. Uh, feels good to, you know, uh, reconnect with people. Uh, shout out to everybody who have reached out over the past couple of weeks with the feedback. Uh, really appreciate it. This is your host, X. I am here with my guys, Rush. What's going on? And Rashid. Uh, man, a, a, a real... It's Rush likes the confluence of events. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, this week was busy, man. Uh, the past the past week and some change has been really busy um, across the board with all you know what's happening in the markets and cryptos and equities. Um. Now, maybe I, maybe this is a little bit of a I don't know theory, right? I can't say for certain, but it looks as if certain, I'm going to say certain assets within the crypto market are trading in lockstep with NASDAQ, right? Um, Which is like very interesting. When we saw the impact after uh, certain earnings were reported, when SPY went down and shit like that, NASDAQ went down, we saw Bitcoin going down. But then... When Google had reported uh, blowout earnings, we saw crypto take off. Why do y'all think that is? Like, what's happening? Um, or what do you theorize as to what's going on out there? Has Bitcoin and what it, some consider the dinos, dinosaurs of the market, have they now started to kind of trade like traditional equities, right? Where they're just kind of stabilizing? And we may not see like to the moon type candles, right? Like, is that are, are the days of 10k, 5k candles over, or you know what I mean? Or is this, or is this just kind of like a shift where there's more institution? Because I believe that there's more institutional money controlling ETH and Bitcoin now, right? And I and I could be wrong, but when I come across a stat that says 61% of derivatives account for crypto and spot. If you look at exchanges like that only specialize in spot, activity is way down. I think it kind of lends credibility to it, but what's y'all thoughts? Yeah, I think I think that's spot on. Um, I saw something on Palm's channel earlier this week, really much earlier in the week where, he, where someone had bought, come on, I, I don't remember the guy's name, but he was saying that <clears throat> Bitcoin and the NASDAQ were at 90% correlation over the last like year and a half. Got it. Um, which, which was really interesting. And I said that to say, I, I don't remember if it was Wednesday or whatever day that was where the um, NASDAQ was down like three and a half percent. We were starting to see 
you know, Bitcoin and the rest of the crypto market start to stabilize and actually bounce on the next day. I think you saw, you know, Facebook had missed or Meta had missed earnings and got hammered. And while that was happening, you know, Bitcoin was flat on the day and ETH was flat on the day. And then the next day they were like up 10 percent, which I thought was extremely wild. Why that's happening? Um, I, I, I think that the Web3 narrative is really starting to gain traction, as you said, amongst institutional investors. You know, A16Z has been leading the way. They've been investing money politically um, and getting in circles. And I, I think the community aspect of things, once you sort of get the right people in the space, I think uh, VC has really started to adopt yeah. this narrative. And you're starting to see the Web2 companies now trade like all points. Um, which is which is crazy, right? Which is crazy, but I, I don't I don't know if I can really distill it down to anything. But those are a few things that I've noticed that I think are contributing factors. Yeah. Yes, it's the original. It's interesting because I, I feel like before the pandemic, um, crypto assets there was like very little, you know, like next to no type of correlation between like major stock, you know, indices. But that's changed over the past uh, year and some change, man. And it used to be, and this is why I sit back and I have questions, right? It used to be, well, the thinking was, well, Bitcoin was a hedge against hyperinflation. We are now in the middle of hyperinflation. And we saw Bitcoin drop, right? If you would have, I mean, two years ago, if you would have told me, man, the country's headed to, well, we knew we were headed to a type of inflation, right? All the money printed by Jerome Powell. Shit, I would have thought Bitcoin with the current environment would be north of 100 k 150K right now, right? But we saw rotations into financials and gold since the start of this year. Uh, oil is making a comeback, energy. Um, is making a comeback. And so I've been trying to wrap my head around what is really happening, you know, under the surface because there's clearly something happening. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I, um, I mean, to your point, I, I think that there is a lot more institutional money in the space um, now. And if you look back to like March of 2020, even when all of those things were happening, when they were just like, forget it, we're gonna change all the rules right now. And you know, when when uh, the Federal Reserve rate requirement went literally down to zero, meaning you put a dollar in, they don't have to keep any of it, they can lend it all out. When they were changing those rules, Bitcoin was going, you know, it, it had like a minus 30% candle in a day. So I think you, you have a risk on <laughs> event that sort of affects all risk assets and the, the more institutional capital that you have in the space, even though we view it this way to their LPs, you know, they, they do have a fiduciary responsibility to them to make sure that, you know, they're not too risk on when there's this much uncertainty and this much volatility in the market. So I think you have some of that. And now you're starting to see, okay, everyone's balanced. We've gotten through month one of the year. Now people are putting on positions, you know, starting to think, um, you know, starting to think about what does the next cycle look like? And as you said, you know, the inflation narrative is pervasive. And I think we're starting to see that tide shift a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's my take on it. Rush, um, 
and within your circles, right? Because you're around a lot of financial professionals day in and day out, or you know, people looking to put their money to work and whatnot. Um, what are you hearing? What is the sentiment around crypto right now as it relates to diversifying at you know their portfolios to kind of hedge against risk, especially with the Fed announcing that there's going to be rate hikes and there's a lot of uncertainty right now in the world um, and there's also geopolitical risk that I, I don't think a lot of people are accounting for and you know people say oh it's priced in I call bullshit I don't think it's priced in um, but you know what, what's the sentiment you know what are you gauging from the conversations that you're having yeah um, that's a great question obviously uh, I think you are not but, yes, um, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I don't think, I think crypto right now is more so, it's like an afterthought. You know, people are putting mon- money into it, but the, the bigger concern uh, is the macro picture. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily like what the Fed is going to do, it's what the Fed is doing from a monetary perspective. Because even like their jawboning, their posturing is a form of monetary policy. So like, they've been actively in pricing up uh, the bond market, right? Just sending yields higher. And um, that's had a big effect on risk assets, especially growth assets where you're trying to discount these cash flows like years and years and years into the future. Um, so I think that's probably like, that's where I'm seeing a bigger concern is that a lot of liquidity in the system is drying up because money today is not worth more because of what the Fed is doing. And that's leading to a lot more volatility in the market. Uh, but I mean, I think I think for the most part from, I guess to answer your question directly, X, from like an institutional perspective, uh, I, I think people kind of get crypto now and they, they figured out their exposures and now it's just a matter of just time and regulation and they're just becoming more financialized. Yeah. Um, and I think just recent comments uh, by the Fed and it's a, it's a lot of distractions right now, right? Um, in forms of escapism across certain segments of the market. I, I see that with NFTs, you know what I mean? Like, um, we don't know what a bear market in NFTs look like. Some people think that we just went through it and now I saw some silly shit. We are now gotten through the bear market for NFTs. This is now the DeFi era of NFTs. I'm like, wait, talk about. <laughs> you mean to tell me NFTs that are associated with games that haven't even launched? They've been going stupid, bro. January things were red hot. Things were red hot. Like the foxes are at like ten soul right now. Even that, I can't wrap my head around. Like, like when, so at the beginning of the year, they were like three, it's three X in the past like month. Yeah. It's crazy, like we have little pockets of the market now. Correct, so in a way, crypto has shown maturity, right? Where there was a time, no matter, if we, if we entered into a crypto uh, bull market, you could throw money at anything. <laughs> Every, you know, like everything got lifted. If Bitcoin was booming, everything was booming. That's no longer the case, right? That being said, it's possible that speculation just shifts from one part of the market to the next. It's like nobody's paying attention to all coins right now, so I'm gonna go buy some JPEGs. For sure, for sure. I mean, and that's easier for people to wrap their head around, right? It's a more approachable pocket 
of the asset class um, as a whole. People don't want to put in work. They don't want to do due diligence. And we're going to touch on that later in the episode. But I'm starting to see um, a lack of rigor applied to how capital is deployed, both on, a, on an institutional level for some and on a uh, retail level, right? But it's very interesting to see that certain uh, NFTs are going crazy right now. Um, and I think that's lending to a lot of people feeling like they're a genius. And that's that's a dangerous type of psychology to have, right? Because at any day you could be humble. Um, any day, right? I don't, like, oh, go, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, just, I think more broadly, people Serious correction. Like you think about like oh wait, everybody assumes oh real estate gonna fail. We're always gonna fail because they need a place to live. We all had that assumption and then boom, big correction. And then even now, like I think another assumption. And I know we were talking about crypto, but um in even in the broader market, like oh we have this massive Fed put and the Fed is just gonna buy everything. But then when you start looking at Peloton, PayPal, Facebook. Like you start looking at all these big tech companies and they're not getting bit up by the Fed. Um, yeah. So that's another assumption that's dangerous. So like and any anywhere where people just start assuming things that this is just the way it is and this is how it's going to be um, creates an incredibly unstable environment. I think that's a really good point. And, um, you know, it's interesting because the market, you know, the traditional markets are now very segmented in that when the Fed comes in and steps in and says, and changes the rules and says, we're going to buy corporate bonds, that has an effect on the equity of the over-levered, low-end investment grade that are in danger of going to high yield on those equities. But on the equities where they're not really using a bunch of leverage, all it does is jack up the discount rate. So. It's very interesting because it's like now you're, you're doing this, you're, you're literally picking winners. You're picking winners and losers. And it's like, okay, I, <laughs> this, what are we doing? You know what I mean? It's, it, what are we doing here? So I wonder, you know, some of these assumptions, if they have to look at that and be like, what are we doing here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who are over leveraged. There's a lot of people who are trading with Look, we still got a lot of just the degenerates that are, <laughs> you know, fucking around with these exotic trading products. You know what I mean? Like 50x leverage, 20x leverage, 100x leverage. It, it's nuts to watch. And then here's my question. And, and, this, and, and this is coming from someone, you know, just for the record, full disclaimer. I believe in NFTs. There are certain NFT projects that I'm incredibly excited about. Um, I'm a big believer in the rise of digital nations and so on and so on. But how do you construct your portfolio to hedge against risk when you are, when you have majority, like you're heavily weighted towards NFTs? Because there's no real instrument 
to kind of hedge against it, right? Like with a traditional equities portfolio, you can always hedge it with like VIX. You know what I mean? You got you got calls on VIX that are one or two years out, right? Just to protect yourself if there's any downside, so you're not forced to liquidate your, your motherfucking position. Yeah, actually, How the bro, fuck do you do that so with NFT, dog? That's just great. Don't even. That's a great business. <laughs> so, so I don't want to be giving out the juice, but that would be a great product to bring to market. So, Yo, yeah, some some insurance, like some options platform with NFTs. Which would make it, it there's a real void there because a lot of I'm gonna be honest. There's certain projects that I would love to fucking bet against. Because I believe that 95 to 97% of these NFT projects are going to fucking crash. Oh, yeah. Pure garbage. Most of it's pure garbage. Most of it's pure garbage. And I have no way of like, does OpenSea have a token? I I guess you could short that. (laughs) No, they don't have a token. You know what I mean? So they're benefiting from this 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 bull mania around you know, NFT. You know, what happens? Do you, know when do you know they're a thirteen billion dollar company right now? Yeah. Do you know someone in the private market gave them a thirteen point one billion dollar valuation? They have like two hundred employees. <laughs> That's bugged out. I remember when OpenSea first launched. It was. It was very little activity on there. And now this shit is like through the roof. Like the space has come a long way, but in many ways, I feel like it's still immature, right? When this shit all started popping off five years ago with um, Crypto Kitties, uh, four or five years ago with Crypto Kitties, like that, that was the only, that was the only show in town. And then we saw what a correction did there, right? Um, a lot of people got hurt. What I'm seeing now, though, bro, is that like people are long only with NFTs or what's the term that's going on now? A couple years ago, it was all all about to the moon, Lambos. Now it's up only. People don't believe these assets can just crater because they they don't have any of the scar tissue that we've had. That's what I've realized. Like people believe that these every single nft project is going to the fucking moon it's up only that that is the mantra in crypto so if that product doesn't exist rush yeah <laughs> we, there's an offline conversation that needs to be had around it because how do you ensure your portfolio against these types of risk because by and large nfts are highly illiquid hey, quick shout out to Yeah, that's the mantra. And then I just don't know, man. It's 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 really spooking me the fuck out. You know what I mean? Because when you get over leveraged into these NFT projects, right? And maybe they, they'll have well, a run. Oh, whoa! I meant overexposure. That's what yeah. I meant to say. My, well, my bad. Yeah. Well, well. Yeah, yeah. You know, people are doing it. People, people are like, I don't want to sell my Bitcoin. I don't want to sell my Bitcoin. So they're just like, all right, I'm gonna put it in the next. So I'm gonna get the capital and I'm gonna play in NFTs. People are doing that for sure. And there's a there's a cautionary tale there because I remember. Uh, I mean, God bless the dead. I remember a, a young man taking out a loan to buy a crypto kitty years ago and he committed suicide because he bought it at the top. Wow. That's crazy. 
You know what I'm saying? So like this, this <laughs> when you start having the blind leading the blind, there's going to come a time where people are going to get really crushed. And I just hope people are ready. I hope people are are structuring their, their port to you know to be defensible against that. But if you were to ask me how many people are doing that, one percent. Yeah, I mean, but to say that people don't think things can go down, you have to keep in mind we were just at sixty nine thousand a couple months ago. So people should be well aware, you know, that hey, we're sitting around forty two thousand again. We tested the mid thirties, you know. So people. If you've been here the last, what, three, four months, you have seen a minus 40, 50% drawdown. So, um, yes, there's a lot of speculation. Yes, because of the lack of regulation, there's a lot of crazy shit happening. Um, but, I mean, I think all is fair. I, I, think, I think all is fair. Right, it's not our job to trade for you. It's not our job to structure portfolio to, you know, hedge against risk um, and black swan events. That's your job, right? Uh, for the listeners out there, that is your job, right? You are responsible for the, tr- the investments that you make. When you press that buy button, just know that it, you know, what it comes with. Right, and I mean, I think that's an excellent point to call out because to everyone listening to the show, when you make the decision to manage your own portfolio, or to manage your own investments or your future, what you're really doing is managing risk. You know, so at any state in the market, you know, you have to be thinking, what are my objectives? What's my time horizon? What do I believe is the future? What's gonna happen in the world between now and then? And then how do I get exposure and manage the risk appropriately to where I'm, I'm covered and, and I can live with the scenario when I when I go and try to get that money five years from now or ten years from now. Yeah, you know what I'd be interested in seeing how many jobs have, uh, I mean, how many companies have um, job openings for NFT related roles, right? Like uh, pop art designer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, a lot of people are trying to create NFTs. I'm seeing cannabis companies create NFTs, and I'm going to withhold. I mean, why not? Like, if if you have a business, right? If you're a restaurant and yeah. your margins are five percent, why not create digital things around a community and sell that shit at ninety five percent margin? Mm-hmm. It literally flips the business model of everyone who has brand equity. Like, if you have intangible intangible value through your community and you have shitty margins. You can literally create a whole new revenue stream to just flow in cash to your bottom line. That's why NFTs is how this shit is going to get adopted because every single business that has any brand value has every incentive to do it or their competitors. Um, really quickly, did y'all hear about Nike suing um, StockX this week over uh, selling their NFTs, an unlicensed uh, NFT sneaker token. Mm. Yeah, they filed a lawsuit against the reseller um, because this person was looking to, um, you know, flip uh, Nike sneaker NFTs and said, oh, you know, I I promise that you guys will get the physical version of the sneakers. 
late at a later date. Nike's in the state. You can't let your you can't let your um, trademark get infringed upon in this world. You can't just not pay attention. You have to get in the space and you have to control that narrative and you have to control your brand. Or else you you know, it's gonna be played around with and taken advantage of by other people. Yeah, I just think it's bugged out that you we're seeing a uh, <laughs> reseller marketplace start to be formed around. Um, virtual clothes. <laughs> like, man, this, yo, <laughs> I, I swear over the past couple years, I've just been like, yo, we're, we're, I see where we headed, but damn, are we really headed here? Where your form, your creative form of expression or in many cases, classism is now about to permeate throughout the digital world. Right? Growing up, coming to school with a new pair of Jordans was like everything, right? Because you came back to school after a weekend and you didn't get the J's that everybody cop. You was feeling left out. Now, kids are coming to the central land with the trip. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is, I think we're already there. You know what I'm saying? It's not, yeah. even, like, it's not even the central land, it's like the social media platform. Like, those are already metaverses. Fully operational. People are participating in I think we're kind of already there. We've been there for a little bit. It's just now, like, you know, tech sells off an area. Yeah, just know what's up with them. Or just a more, a more efficient way to do it. Yeah. With the blockchain. And also to, to figure out, like, now that we've created this space, it's like, yeah. it's like when you're pushing west to California. Mm-hmm. It's the Wild West. You heard that song. You, you have an issue with somebody, y'all go in the street and have a duel. Yeah. You know, and that's the way things are set up. So, like, now we're in this, we're pushing west, we're on the internet, but now you have all these issues of what are our rights? Mm-hmm. How do we protect property? Yeah. Like, all these fundamental issues of the state that just don't really exist. Yeah. And, or the old construct doesn't really fit. So I think what blockchain is allowing us to do is identity, it's governance, it's transferring value, it's contracts, mm-hmm. it's enforcement. So I think that's the next layer of we're already in the metaverse, but now we need new infrastructure yeah. to protect our rights and all, and all of those things and um, make sure that, you know, we can have civilization. We can be civilized in this environment. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, it's, you're right, Rush. Like, I mean, both of y'all have really strong points there. We are already there because people, when people now win these online raffles, these digital raffles for sneakers, they immediately Will, will, will post, oh, I got them. You know what I mean? And have a little screenshot saying you got them, right? So that's a form of shit. Oh, look, I have them. You know what I mean? You don't, right? I was lucky. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't even received them yet, but this gives me some type of clout and status. And um, I remember Nike acquiring um, was the, um, what's the studio, the art studio maker that was making these like virtual sneakers, uh, RTFKT. I remember they acquired them 
And they said this was their move into NFTs. But what ended up happening is that some young entrepreneurial boys and girls went out there and said, hey, I'm going to create an NFT and I'm going to listen on, on StockX. I'm going to say, hey, you had the rights to, to get this physical sneaker later on at a later date. And they're flipping like Nike blazers for $700, right? You could go to Nike right now and get some blazers for, you know, $150. they're like wait wait wait. i'm gonna create a market around this right nike's like hold up like fam we haven't even launched our nfts yet and you on this platform talking about oh yeah i think the collection was called the vault yeah this is like all stock x you know what i mean like and it's it's really bugged out because now we're about to see like licensed nft wars like that's about to take on a whole nother world of its own. And then what happens, I'm seeing a lot of celebrities likeness used in NFTs and they're not getting a cut of it. Right, people are selling NFTs of Mike Tyson. People are selling NFTs of Michael Jordan, NFTs of Yeezys. And they're not seeing a cut of that. That's the Wild West. Um, so yeah, interesting developments um, around NFTs, and we're, we're going to get back to this because there's, there's, there's a lot that's been happening. But before we dive deep on NFTs, we got to talk about, and it still is kind of related to the, the metaverse. Let's talk about Meta, mm-hmm. formerly known as Facebook. Wait, 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 really? They changed their ticker back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they turned out, they said, all right. They back it out. <laughs> oh. I mean, they're still called Meta, but their ticker is FB now. It's not Meta anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I remember that was like a big deal. It was like, yo, we're going to have the Meta ticker. Yeah. I guess they said, nah, you know what? <laughs> We need to we need to go back to FB so we can uh, get more of that institutional white money. You know what I'm I saying? Also, there was a meta ETF, so that's probably like a metaverse ETF. I think they had uh, similar things. I don't know. Like they had some people. It's way more fun to imagine them tapping out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. They probably did tap out. Who knows? I mean, look, they. <laughs> They did sell off DM, right? All I know is that Zuck they has been did sell off the crypto token. Zuck has been selling since probably like late 2020. So he definitely. Oh, yeah, this dude sells his. Man, <laughs> you can't. The, 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 the selling of executives at Facebook, he was getting busy last year. Yeah. The, like the first half of last year, Zuck was getting it off. Like. I'm thinking, I'm like, man, what was he, he trying to buy the mix? Like. <laughs> What's going on? Um, but yeah, Facebook, two hundred thirty billion, two hundred and thirty billion was wiped away from their market cap this past week in in one day. Uh it it went as down it went down as much as twenty six percent on Thursday. Uh, and this is after. Zuck and crew have reported a decline in profits and users uh, during the last quarter of 2021 and um, the forecast of revenue, right? It was like kind of lower guidance as well. 
um, first off, that was that was the biggest loss. It was the largest one-day decline in U.S. history. We had never seen. We didn't even see that during the March 2020 lows, when when the markets was when CNBC had the mar- markets in turmoil. Music every five seconds. <laughs> My theory is that Ackman is going to come out next week and say he's buying that shit up the same way he did with Netflix. See, Netflix had its bounce. We may see a relief rally. I don't know. Right. I, I We'll see when the markets um, open up. Traditional markets open up tomorrow. But what do y'all think this says about Facebook and its long term prospects as far as, you know, continuing to grow users and, and keep and retain users? so they can transition them into these digital nations. Um, I, is Facebook about to become Yahoo 2.0? <laughs> Certainly possible. Oh, you got something wrong? Uh, not entirely. Yeah. Right, I'll go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the change, to, the change of the name to Meta, right? Um, when you look at that division, their VR division, they're losing $10 billion. So they lost $10 billion in that division. What Rush was talking about earlier with the raise of inflation and then investors having to say, do I really want to pay for this growth that far out? If you're losing $10 billion today in this division and you rebrand yourself and you make this bet and then you have these assets and DM which you have to sell off, it looks like it's just flailing out of control. And then not only that, but then on the social media side with Instagram, you now have TikTok. It's like you're not really dominant in any area and you have this division in which you're betting a farm on with all of your branding and Apple's not in the space yet. YouTube's not in the space yet. Are you really going to compete against those operating systems and those communities of developers? Like, there's just, and then you, you think the macro environment, am I willing to pay for that potential growth given all of the hits? And I think it's just people reframing and adjusting saying okay this is what this company meta and that's why i'm laughing like yeah they changed the ticket back that's funny as hell capitulation right so i i, I want to go with that narrative even though i, I can't confirm it but it, it's clear to me that you know this is not being perceived well by the market yeah i mean look they're down 30 percent a year so far right and we only what six weeks in five weeks in um and I think there's large ramifications here. A lot of people's retirement portfolio is tied up into Faye, right? And I heard about a stat. Um, I think the Vanguard Group they own mad shares, so um, they lost about like 16 billion in a day. This is Vanguard, right? So a lot of people's 401ks and shit is tied up in these these big tech, and so it it, it begs the question. Is Facebook too big to fail? Um, we don't know. No, just yet. they're not. No, they're okay. not. I mean, not just the public opinion on Facebook yeah. and the fact they're consumer facing. I, I don't think that people would be supportive of building Facebook out. And they're also not integral enough where enough people are connected to them like a bank to where if they fail it would have that many downstream effects negatively financially.
situation. I, I really don't think they're in that same situation. Yeah, no one's calling Hank Paulson at one o'clock in the morning and saying, hey, we need you to come in here and save this company. <laughs> you know, or it's over for America. I think a lot of people would be happy to see Facebook go, especially people in that room, like banks and stuff like that. I'm one of them. And I, and I think they should divest their interest in uh, Instagram, if you ask me. Really? Yeah. They've destroyed the platform. Mm. Right? Like, listen, the the the, the details of uh, all hands on meeting came out. Uh, Zuckerberg got up in front of an entire company. He had glasses on. He was trying to hold back tears. This is what I had presumed for the past when TikTok used to be musically. Let's take it real. Let's go all the way back. When I was seeing their executives throughout San Francisco back in 2015, 2016, when they were musically, I said, this is the next big threat to Facebook. And I don't think they're going to be able to dethrone them or say, hey, calm down. We about to copy your shit. And put, you know, not necessarily put you out of business, but they, they robbed stories from um, Snapchat. If you look at if you look at Facebook's track record over the past 15 years, they haven't invented shit. Mm. The last major innovation for Facebook was enabling niggas to write on your wall. <laughs> Everything else they've just acquired. Yeah. They've acquired growth. They acquired uh, Instagram for a billy back in what was it 2012? They're like they represent all the reasons we hate Web too. Facts facts and so am i gonna trust this platform that's run by a cat who said this is documented in you know uh personal um, aol messages or whatever it was back when he first started this company yo these idiots is really giving me all the information <laughs> like you know what i'm saying like, like zuckerberg really said that like i can't believe they're trusting me <laughs> you know what I'm like? you know so it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna trust this motherfucker to usher in the next evolution of the web. Nah. And he basically acquired it from Parlay and from being there in 05. But but why should they now that's from IG though? I don't see that, you know. Why that be beneficial? No, they I'm saying I would like to see that. Okay. That's def, that's yeah. an <laughs> asset they definitely don't want to yeah. give up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like they have figured out that they couldn't just copycat and kind of stop TikTok's momentum. It's a totally different experience. A lot of people I know that have Instagram complain about the lack of uh, chronological timelines, too many ads, they can't keep up with, you know, the people that they, you know, like to engage with on a daily. They, they murdered off their platform. And so less and less people are signing. It's, it's, it's there. It's, it's like what a lot of people say, oh, I still have my Facebook. But I, I, I just honestly, I just keep it there for family. Yeah. I mean, I would say as an end user, and I haven't like looked at kind of any of the data uh, behind this. I think that Instagram probably still has pretty good, has a pretty so still has a pretty solid user base. And I think that they've done a good job of still maintaining some market share. Even with TikTok, like you have Instagram Reels, which like you can basically take like, TikTok Reels on IG. Um, I don't. I just don't know like if it's like 
yeah. But, but I do, no, I do concede that like things don't look good from a growth perspective. And truth, truth be told, like all growth companies, especially like, the chickens have to do one push for them. You can't just continuously just you know keep discounting future cash flows without like okay, what are we really going to have at that? So that's, I think that we've seen that with Facebook, kind of like. Well, Facebook was more like a just uh, economic shock type type moment, but like other like kind of pandemic. All, a lot of these pandemic names, like you'll see like Peloton, PayPal, Zoom, um, I think CRM. Like you see, you're seeing a lot of them just return to trend. Well, it's about time Peloton comes down from Pluto, right? Get the fuck out of here. They were. You want to talk about a company that benefited from idiots just throwing cash and shit during the pandemic? Like, remember, at one point, Peloton was trading at like two hundred dollars or one hundred eighty dollars. Look at the Peloton chart if you want to look at (laughs) this shit was trading January twenty first. It was trading at a buck seventy. Today is trading at twenty five dollars. <laughs> it, was tra- it was trading at it was trading at a buck seventy a year ago. A year ago, twelve yeah. months ago, yeah. Yeah, it was fucking ridiculous. It, I'm like, it literally looks like a pumpkin bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, it looks like a pumpkin bro. Like, and uh, so let's go back a year. So in February or two years, my fault. February seven of 2020, it was at twenty seven eighty seven. Then the pandemic starts, it gets to a height of 160 or yeah, 162 or something like that in early 2021. And now we're right back at 24. It's literally, it literally looks like a pump or down. Yeah, send, send, and, it, and it should be lower. Send that shit to the projects. I know it jumped in after hours on Friday because now they say that the sharks are circling Amazon. It might be interested in acquiring it, right? There was they, they're drawing interest from potential suitors, but yo, check it out for all of y'all out there that um dump fifty percent. Well, your portfolio is made up fifty percent of Peloton. I feel sorry for you, right? And I hope you see counseling. I really do hope you see counseling because. What on earth made you think that a $3,000 bike with an iPad was going to disrupt the future? Mind you, these are the same, this is the same company that dropped a treadmill that was $4,000. I would be interested in looking at the shareholder momentum of this stock to see who was in and out over these past two years. I would, I'm, a, I'm probably going to look at that because... You know, you control the narrative. This was a this was literally a COVID narrative, and it will be really interesting to see what names were trading this because this looks like a pump and dump. <laughs> this looks like a classic pump and dump. But I, I I'm not gonna say anything else until I actually look at that. Yeah, I, I, I would love to learn from you, like who was in it, what institutions were in it, what rode that wave up. Right, and I and I feel like they started selling way before retail. But there were people. I mean, Rush, you even said it uh, this week that uh, people, some people were hitting you up saying, "Should I sell my Peloton?" <laughs> like they were panicking. <laughs> they didn't have that thought. Like when it just went up mindlessly to one seven, right? 
They're like, yo, now I should sell it at the lows. And if you ask me, Peloton should be a, a $10 stock. Well, a lot of it too is it's a return to trend, right? So like you see, like you have this pandemic moment where you have these narratives that emerge. Again, like we were talking about earlier, oh, the world's never going to change. Everybody's going to be at home forever. Everything's going virtual. Everybody's going remote, et cetera. Yeah. And now as the economy is opening back up, that's not necessarily the case. While things are different, right? Uh, it's not... Like we get up, we get ahead of our skis with these narratives. So like even with Pel like Peloton, um, PayPal, what was it? I might not have done PayPal. There was a few other of the, these like pandemic names. Zoom. Yeah, yeah Zoom. Zoom was a good oh, one. Oh, you're about to say yeah, Zoom. Zoom. Yeah. They shot up through the pandemic and then you know they just returned back really to trend where the prices were. Because to Rashid's point, I mean it's just trading at where it was trading back in 2020 or 2019 before the pandemic. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's so I say a lot to say that that doesn't necessarily make it a bad buy, not financial advice, but you know, as, as, a, as a shorter term trade, that trade is over, you know, now it's really trying to get back to the fundamentals of you know, is this something worth owning? Carvana was another one, really. Look at Carvana, Carvana was one that like went crazy during the penny, right. They, they sending that shit right back to the projects. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I, I mean, Peloton got hit probably the worst because they're they're very very niche, like stay at home. Yeah, yeah. This is still up like three X. Carvana's still up three X. Zoom is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we saw yeah we saw a lot of these joints, man. Pinterest was another one that was booming during the penny. I mean, it was a lot. You know, Facebook. Have you guys kept up with PayPal at all? Oh, PayPal. Oh my God, their report was ugly. I should look at Facebook. <laughs> Yo, that's all. Damn. <laughs> like PayPal launched crypto, but like they didn't really capture Bruh. that that customer base like they thought they would. You know what I mean? Bro, PayPal is down fifty percent. Like more than fifty percent over the same period where Bitcoin has been down, like you know, right? And and, and uh, a lot of people have fed into this narrative that PayPal, you know, trading in lockstep with crypto and stuff like that. But I just don't think the growth is there. Cash App just, you know, from a from a from a consumer facing side with their products. I just think Cash App and like other other services like Amazon Pay, Apple Pay has uh, taken away market share from Sure. I mean, Jack, I, um, I think uh, what PayPal, what, what Cash App is doing is literally the bellwether for the industry. I think they, um, you know, they're building this payments thing and then they sort of acquire a title. So I guarantee they will be building different ways for independent artists to sort of monetize their music through NFTs. They're already there with a lot of vendors at concerts, supporting small businesses. And you think, and then there's a social media angle, long term. Like there's there's payments, their music, and uniting culture, 
and you saw Jack left Twitter, I think long term, Cash App is basically going to be just a, a big conglomerate, like where it is, it's your payments, it's things you care about, and it's a news, also a news feed potentially. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they do, but I think that um, the sending cash to a person from person to person, that's just the very, very beginning of what that company's called. That was the user acquisition play, really. Right. <laughs> Get them into the platform. Now we introduce all these other services. Because yeah, remember, Square won a uh, banking charter as well. So they, you can bank with Square. You can buy crypto within Cash App. And I think that, just, like you said, they're going to continue to expand it, especially with the acquisition of Title. Um, man, and, and Square is trading uh, um, a, little, a couple of points above 100, but yeah. it went to as high as 280. You know what I'm saying? So there are going to be some opportunities. I think a lot of this is just mean reversion. Yeah. Like, okay, we're on the other side of the pandemic. We're on the other side of just like massive uh, fiscal fiscal stimulus. Yeah. Now it's let's get back to fundamentals. Like, you know, what are the things really worth owning and why? Right. Right. Cash App literally has 70 million users. Fam. So they had they had 36 million in 2020. At 24 million in 2019, so they 50% then 100% growth, right? So like in 2017, they had seven million users. They 10x their users in four years, which is nuts. You know, and I, I believe PayPal is at about 300, but they they just they they're about to laugh. They're about to laugh them, and they're only about to add more things. True. I, I guarantee you, music is coming. I guarantee you, music is coming. Oh, Cash App launched um, a tax product too. Yeah, they do. They, they do keep fucking sending me notifications about it. <laughs> they do your taxes <laughs> free now. <laughs> you want? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So now they got tax products. How much longer? I know they offer loans to um, companies that's on the Square platform, but how much longer before we see them offer lending products to everyday consumers? You know what I mean? Like, you're right, man. They're going to be. They're definitely going to stand the test of time, so there's definitely some opportunities there. Will there be more downside? Possibly. We don't know. I guess it's not a bad time to take out a leap, right? Uh, But we'll see. I think, and and this kind of, going back to, and I'm so glad you said that, Rush. Let's get back to the motherfucking fundamentals. Because the past two years has just been a lot of nonsense, a lot of wall street bet type of you know mentality like mob type mentality and and it was actually a funny ass headline that came out in bloomberg yesterday they said uh the market has been taken back by the adults now (laughs) you know what i mean like you know you you retailers yeah yeah you know y'all had your little moment that was cute Hey, but look, check it out. The motherfuckers is, you know, doing the real analysis here. There's l- looking at the fundamentals. That's what's going to win. Rotation I, I, into value. Hey, the the retail social media mob may have just got a win with the GameStop Immutable X part. Let's talk about that. You, did you see that uh, GameStop basically partnered with Immutable X to launch a series of their IP and their games um, on the Immutable X platform as NFTs? They've also committed $100 million to the ecosystem to help build out future projects. So 
team at GameStop, the, the social media mob, I, you know, that helped them raise the capital, I believe, that helped pull this off. They did a billion dollar raise or something like that. Yeah. Like, um, a month or two back or something. I'm not gonna lie, I get a great deal of entertainment from the um, the GameStop AMC conspiracy theorists that be popping up on Twitter spaces. It, it started to make it to YouTube. I mean, but people will be in there for hours talking about how there's a there's an invisible hand in the markets that's suppressing them from AMC to take off. Like if you wanna be entertainment, listen to these conspiracy theory like spaces, dog. It is really wild. But yeah, that is big for GameStop. For, for our listeners out there, Rasheed, who don't know what Immutable X, uh, can, can, can you briefly touch over like what is Immutable X and what you know why it's so significant? Yeah, it's a it's a layer two platform um, on Ethereum that allows um, basically people to purchase NFTs. So it's it's kind of like OpenSea, except it's on a layer two, and it's a. Uh, it, yeah, so it's also decentralized, so kind of decentralized. Yeah. They do have a business development uh, team. Right, right, right. But they have a business development team to help them pull this off, and which I think is going to help them grow the ecosystem. But they make it so that you can trade NFTs for free. So they eat the transaction costs. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, where on OpenSea, the gas fees that you'll pay for transacting an NFT is only going up. Um, and right now it's like, you know, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, somewhere between there. So they're basically making it so that it's free to the user. They're eating it and because they're rolling it up, they can afford to do that. So this is NFT scaling. Yeah. Ah, I like it. about <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, um, the Ethereum platform, it has real utility and that's where a lot of the activity is happening for nfts right there there are definitely a few solana nfts but uh it pales in comparison like the volume pales in comparison to eve right so i, I gotta tip my hat to uh, the alien face protocol um <clears throat> for sure i think we get get if game we're never gonna uh, have that <laughs> like this is this is never happening now thanks X. <laughs> I think GameStop is really trying to figure out a way to um, move into the future, right? Because for so long, they were, you know, straddled down by just dead real estate, you know what I mean? Assets that they were sitting on stores. A lot of people are buying their games, you know what I mean, over the air now, you know what I mean? They're downloading them. They're not really going to get physical games. You saw with the new um, gaming uh, um, machines, the PS5s, the Xboxes, a lot of people did, you know, want to get theirs with a disc, but for the most part, people are going fully digital when it comes to like video games, right? And they kind of, they caught, I don't want to say they were caught off guard because I, I feel like they could have made the upfront investment 10 years ago. Right? They, were on the, they were on the way to getting Blockbuster. For sure. Oh, for sure. And now they playing catch up. So, but I like it though because look, Blockbuster could have made this pivot. Blockbuster had an opportunity to buy Netflix, but what they wanted to continue to bet on was motherfuckers coming into the to the store to get a DVD and a couple of tubs of popcorn. They felt that that's what we were going to continue doing for the next 10, 20 years, and clearly that didn't happen. So you were right; they were on their way to getting Blockbuster. Um, and they 
Yeah, but that's the way out of it. <laughs> I mean, this is good. This goes back to Machine's point about the, you know, the restaurant that can trade, you know, create products at 95% margin. It's the same, you know, game stops because they can transition to a new space. It's unlocking new kind of revenue versions for their business. What risk? Um, this has made me think of something. Because not every company should be doing an NFT, right? And at what point does someone say, hey, yo, you selling securities? That's what's <laughs> Like, imagine if, like, Peppers did, like, NFTs for jerk chicken. <laughs> you said who? Peppers. What's Peppers? <laughs> In Brooklyn. <laughs> imagine if they created, like, imagine if El Torito created an NFT so you could get unlimited guac. You know what I'm saying? A special type of guac. I mean, every month. Is, is that is that's not really a security. It's on the way because they already they already are securities. The business is a security. That's just a revenue stream. Business. It's a product. Yeah, it's a product. It's a to me. It's a it's a gift card. But to but, me, it's a product. You know, I think you have to get advice. Like you do have to you know speak with your legal team and make sure that you know but but in that instance where you're saying i, I have this nft where you can get unlimited guac at my restaurant yeah. to me that's a product the, the platform that i'm missing nft is a security yeah it's not clear or will be yeah. so you're they're gonna, they're gonna come for it. oh yeah oh yeah I mean, OpenSea already is just probably trading. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking even like potentially some of these blockchains. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's what's coming to fight, the regulatory fight. There's a couple of things that concern me. It's the, it's the securities issue that Russia's brought up, and then the other one is stable coins. If they really come down on stable coins hard, I think those two things could blow this up for a while. Yeah, because I think it's only a matter of time before um, we see more fractionalization um, across the board within NFTs and the SEC, I think it was Hester Pierce, yeah. they had commented not too long ago that, yeah, certain, certain NFTs can be viewed as a security. Right. If you fractionalize. Yeah. Uh, if you fractionalize an NFT, I think you're really getting, you're really trying to ask for it. It's like a few things that if you do that, then you, you're kind of asking for it. Like if you're marketing it to people and trying to market it as if you're buying it with the future uh, expectation that it'll be higher, right? Like it's, it's, it's things that you, you, you that you do that will definitely make it a security. But there's also things where I think there is legitimate reason that this is a product. And it's about how it's constructed and it's about what, it, what the thing is. Yeah, you know. but I don't. I don't think the security thing is a bad thing either. Not that you're, you're anybody here is making that like a negative. I think the securitization of the industry would be like net positive because to our earlier earlier point, like this is the wild west. You know, you know people have been, people have been and are taking advantage. Of, you know, less just asymmetric information. Right? For I sure. Think it, I think it needs to be done. It just needs to be done in a new framework. You know, because the old framework has a lot of barriers, which would make a lot of the things and a lot of the innovation in the space impossible to do. 
because the risks that the entrepreneur will be taking will be not worth it. So it's like, I think we need something. But the thing is, the regulation that we probably will get <laughs> is probably not the constructive regulation that we need. What I think we need is we need something for disclosure so people can have their, you know, be protected without all of the cumbersome um, overhead and, and that's associated with it. And, you know, I, for that reason, just my cynical view, I'm like, oh, God, this is about to happen. You know what I mean? And it's like, even though some will be good. It's, no, it's crazy you say that because I was listening to a podcast and they were drawing parallels between the, the ICO boom in 2017 versus the VC boom that we saw most recently in you know, this market cycle. And a lot of that was yeah. because like, it was the same. Like fundamentally the same actor but because of just better capitalized individuals. They were able to do things that Right, we, and we, we talked about a war pool that just happened, right? That a lot of people like crowded into it. I, I gotta tip my hat off for some Rashid on this. He had called this very early that Wonderland and other Wonderland esque type products were very skinny. He was just like, yo, this shit is a Ponzi. He called this out in the uh, he called this out in October. Yeah, I was in because I got into Wonderland in early September and the shit was just printing money. Like it was crazy. And then I started to see a bunch of forks happen. And I was like, all right, let me get into the code. Like let me let me get into the mechanics of how this is working. And it's literally just, you know, um diluting the existing token holders. So like if you're staking, you're getting some of the dilution. There's a few ways to be diluted less. But it's literally just push your money in this thing, we got looping the shit out of it, and we're taking a cut in the protocol. And then once you know you have the token, the price of the tokens drop and all the collateral, the whole thing just blows up. Yeah. <laughs> like and, and it's you know, it, it varies by how what the rate is. But every time you fork the thing, you have to jack the rates up. So that means the rate that it unwinds is just way faster the, the further the forks are. Yeah. So I'm sure all of them blew up. Wonderland you know, damn near blew up. Um, and they had, they had, they also had the felon. They, they had a felon running the, uh, the treasury. So back to your security thing, right? Like, and, and he, 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 I think, I, I don't remember what it was, I'm not going um, But basically they had a convicted felon that was managing the funds and nobody knew about it except for the founder, Daniele. And then and despite the fact he knew about it, he didn't disclose it to him. So that, that whole that whole thing was a complete. And I think what he was charged, I think what he was uh, the charge he had got um, and convicted of was financial crimes. Yeah, that's like what I he, thought, but I can't remember. Yeah, I think that's what it was, and like I don't want to touch on it too much, and like I'm not here to uh, demonize. Uh, uh, formerly incarcerated people, but that being said, right. let's 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 be real here. If somebody had already, you know, been caught red-handed, you know, with something financially related, where they were where they were siphoning millions and millions of dollars before, and then, and then you put them in the treasury, 
And right. the people investing in the asset don't know that. And there's no security the around it? Yeah, that's a problem. That's the issue. Because so this is a case study, right? This is just, <laughs> this is perfect case study for the SEC. It gives them the ammunition. Because it's not like a, <laughs> this hasn't happened before, but usually when it does happen, there is some transparency. A lot of cats get caught up. Maybe they not admit to it, but there's a civil penalty for it. We see this happen all the time with hedge funds. You some of the, the most uh, well-renowned, world-renowned investors, you know, they they, they they got some dirt. They got some dirt on them. And maybe they had to take five years off and they, you know, come back, you know, Steve Cohen, right? SAC to, to 0.72 asset management. There was some dirt that was related there to insider trading and stuff like that. Uh, we see this shit happen all the time. That being said, it and that that gives people am, ammunition to say, well, anonymity shouldn't be a thing in crypto because of things like this. You know what I mean? It's, so it's going to be an interesting thing to come out of this. But the reason why I, I brought it up is, uh, and this transition to this last point as we get towards the end of the episode is, Rasheed, you was able to make that call in the midst of all this noise and hype of everybody moving into those those protocols, right? That was between September and December, all the hype was around fucking time and wonderland, right? And you were able to say, nah, I've done my due diligence here. I'm not liking this, I'm getting out. You didn't continue with your pom-poms and cheerleading like I see a lot of people do in projects that it's like, wait, what gives you the conviction that this is totally legitimate? You know what I mean? Like, but oftentimes what I realize is people just, they're just desperate to make money. And they don't want their narrative challenged. And it's, it's the informational phone poll. People don't always, people don't understand, always are aware of like kind of where they're at. Yeah. The information that they're facing their investments. I would say that like Rashid versus like your average or even probably less than that. Like someone that is just getting into crypto in 2020 versus a cat that's highly educated, you know, working private equity. Investment big. Right, right. He's a little bit higher on that. Big, big nigga up. You know what I'm saying? Like he humble, but big him up. You know what I'm saying? Like he been through, yeah. he been through these trenches. So I think that's, I think that's what people need to be super cognizant of. Like that I'm basing my investment decisions you know, in, a, in a market that's really a zero sum game. You know, with other market participants, where do I rank as far as information that I have available and how I'm able to digest it? Bro, a good chunk of new traders are basing their investment decisions on memes and 140 characters. Well, yeah. It's also these groups, trading groups. Bro, the rise of like these Telegram groups, the Discord. You think they'll get in trouble, the people that are doing that? Some people have already started, yeah. Now, there's going to be legal recourse. And that's, oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. And I think it'll be more like internal too. It's, it's going to be more like I'm in the group that got to me to buy something and I went and bought it and I lost money and now I'm trying to see. So yeah. People aren't going to take their help. Yeah. Like people, these people are not going to take their help. Yeah. They're not going to 
you know, yeah, you're right. <laughs> They're definitely not gonna have accountability. They're gonna look for someone to blame. They say, yo, you got me in Doji coin. You said this was going to the moon. Uh, I'm down 60% over the past 12 months. Uh, like, I don't know if someone's done it yet, but has anyone tried to sue Elon Musk? Right, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, remember, we talked about this a year ago when I asked somebody, why did you why did you put $20,000 in a doji coin? They said, well, the wealthiest man in the world is talking about it, so it must be valuable, right? And then that's when I realized, like, wow, so how did you even how did you even come across Elon Musk talking about it? Twitter. And it became very apparent to me. And then people went in Shiba coins. Bro, it became very apparent to me that people do not do independent analysis or any type of like real due diligence on a lot of shit before they invest. They look to Twitter. They look to the hottest meme on on Reddit. They look to their, like you said, their Discord group, their trading group. And, and the they is, look to you. They look to BitBoy on YouTube. The, the thing is, like, say similar. This is like, probably more broadly philosophical. But civilization requires a high degree of special, specialization in a specific. Field. Right, so, like, if I am a resident that's trying to become a physician or whatever, I'm not gonna be. It's, it's not the best use of my time to really inform myself on that issue, which I yeah. like to, to the extent that I'm doing like deep fundamental analysis. I mean, obviously, I want to have an idea of what's going on, but um, I think that speaks towards why people look for okay, how can I get information from somebody that I think is specialized or you know an expert in the field? Um, well, bro, I want to like, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, I really want to build on that because what you're talking about right now, this is perfect. This is this is what the boomers were doing. And now we're at this retirement thing where the boomers children, the millennials, Gen Xers, Gen Y, we're looking and saying this degree of specialization where they told you just put your money in a 401k, that didn't work for my parents. And now I have this social media device and everyone's telling me how to be successful. And everyone's telling me I need to invest. And there's like social pressure. It's like, you're not investing and then people turn your nose up. Like, and, and it's like, so now people are like, I don't want to be in this space where I was just specialized. I don't want to slave away and do this for no reason. I don't want to be taken advantage of. So now they're looking for answers. And unfortunately in this stage, this is the, the stage where people are going to get the brunt of that. And we'll see if that cycle continues and we can continue to build forward and help educate those people. Yeah. But I, I think it's a it's a big, like you said, it's a societal issue mm-hmm. at the crux of it. And it's scary. And the reason why it's so scary to me is because we saw, we, we didn't see this frequently, but uh, maybe a year and a half ago, remember the kid who committed suicide um, because his Robin Hood account, like, when, like went into the next, like he owed a bunch of money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was trading on margin. And why was he trading on margin? It's because he was watching a YouTube video where a guy was like, "Yo, drop everything, put it all into this." You know what I mean? Like you're going to, you know, miss out. We're going to the moon. Yo, you ever heard, heard that uh, Michael Saylor? And he was talking about like, uh, what he say? he's like, uh, if you got a mortgage. 
uh, refinance your mortgage, put it all in Bitcoin. This see, yeah. that's what the fuck I'm talking about, dog. That's exactly what I'm talking about. He's like, if I had a mortgage, I'd refinance it, put it all in Bitcoin. Like, he don't he, care. He doesn't. And it's like, yo, you you in a position to take that risk, right? Like you you are comfortable. You've 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 accepted that. And, and here's where I uh give Sailor some credit. He's accepted that, like, yo, this shit might all go to zero, but I'm okay with that. He literally said that this week. He's like, you know what? I think it is sound financial advice. Like, if you could get a 30-year fixed rate mortgage below five percent and lock something in for 30 years, if you have the cash flow to where you feel comfortable doing that, I guarantee Bitcoin beats that in 30 years. It beats 5% in 30 years. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. So I think that's like a slam dunk investment to me. But the number one thing is you have to have the secure cash flow. To do it. <laughs> and that's how Michael Saylor has to Right. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of these cats don't, man. They're going to Nick's check cashing to take out a $10,000 loan so they can put it in the next hot NFT that they heard talked about on um, at ComplexCon, right? Or some shit like that. And that, that's all, man. Look, do what you want to do. At the end of the day, this is how like, I'm going to cap this out. <laughs> do whatever you feel comfortable doing. Just just be comfortable with the with the risk. And as long as you're comfortable with the risk, if you... If you work through your thesis and said, okay, I feel comfortable making this investment decision, here's why, right? Uh, but you also know that this could go to zero and you, and you have fully accepted that and you have no problem with that, great. But I could tell when a lot of y'all, when I online, and I'm not going to call out the podcast, I could tell when a lot of y'all aren't comfortable because you're talking about you can't sleep at night. Right? We... Listen, if you make an investment decision that keeps you up at night, <laughs> every night after you make make that play, I don't know if that was the right play, my man. Right? So it's a cautionary tale. Um, and I don't think people are accounting for a lot of risk right now. I really don't. Right? And you can you can say, oh, I'm a boomer, um, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a dino. And maybe that is the benefit of coming in in 2020, right? Is that you're not accounting for any of that because you came into a world where everything went up. It was the everything bubble, right? So you're not, you're like, man, what? There's no stopping this. And we're seeing it now. ETH got over 3K. Uh, Bitcoin rose back over, it was like, what was it, 40? Where is that right we're now? At 40, we're at 40K, basically. Oh, okay, so it crossed back over 40k, and now people are saying, "Oh, bear market." There is no bear market. <laughs> Sentiment changes so, so fast. It's like at the top of this week, it was like, "Yo, man, oh my god, what's going on?" Now it's, see, we're headed back up. I mean, and I remember vividly in 2017, certain assets jumping up for a little bit, Monero, right? And that shit went all the way down $27. Right? And at one point, I was, I just kept believing in it. Like, no, no, this, this bull market can't be over. I, I don't think it's over, bro. But there's one thing, there's two things that concern me. The first is the securities thing. And the second that really, really concerns me 
is if we have a digital dollar. Mm. Wait, why is that? Because if if people's perception is that now that we have a digital dollar and then they crack down on Circle, they crack down on Bit, uh, Bitfinex with Tether and USDC, that's like $110 billion of stable coins. If something were to happen where those now are not worth a dollar, all the collateral in DeFi comes crumbling down. Like all the AMMs, Balancer, Convex, Curve, everything that interacts with those things, all the like I don't know what would happen, but that's a hundred ten billion dollars that is used as collateral somewhere with an entire financial system that's not regulated on what reserves. Like my my guess is that that would be a fucking mess. Oh, that could be the kill shot for a lot of projects. Right. That's what that scares the shit out of me. Right. I had not factored that until. Uh, my risk profile on it, you know, assessing what could go wrong. Cause I'm always thinking, even if I'm super excited about something, like what could go wrong here? You know what I mean? Like I hadn't factored that in, but I need to start factoring that in. I'm glad you brought up that. Um, what's on your watch list? You know what I'm saying? Uh, before we get out of here, what are y'all looking at? I'm mapping out the music, music NFT space. Cause like, you know, wow. You know, we have these macro concerns. We're just looking for incentives for adoption. And, you know, musicians have long not capitalized on their work. And um, so I'm just, it's a lot of really cool things that are popping up. And um, I'm just, I'm not really deploying a whole bunch of capital there yet, but I think this is a space for sure where there's a lot of opportunity. I would agree. I'm not, uh, I haven't familiarized myself too much. Um, just yet, but it is a, a theme that I am going to be focused on. I don't hear too much uh, talk about it right now, uh, but as always, we always try to get into things before the hype. You know what I'm saying? And position ourselves. So I uh, definitely want to continue talking to you uh, about that, you know, offline and as, as the weeks go on, the months go on. Uh, so try something in the group chat. Definitely want to pay attention to that. So. Good luck. Uh, what about you, Rush? <laughs> Are you looking at the tenure? <laughs> right. Uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing super specific, bro. I think you know I've I probably missed out on one trade. But I was, this was um, probably because toward the end of last year, heading into this year, mm-hmm. I already started to like kind of know that we were going to get a lot of chop. Um, so I was, you know, I was looking at commodities, looking at oil, things like that. I haven't missed it, but I'm not trying to get in there yet. So right now, I'm just, I, mean, I have my crypto and accumulating and just going, at, going, going along with the ride for now. But there's nothing short term that I've been looking at. Maybe, maybe on Ethereum, I'm looking for a, a spot where I can sell some calls. You know, like mm-hmm. if it keeps pushing up a little bit, I think that, you know, you know premiums on those will go up and make it a little bit more attractive yeah that's about it what uh what platform are you using to uh sell calls for ETH? ftx ah yeah glad you brought that's what i'm saying you now have walked me into my watch list (laughs) because we talked about this offline over text and i was like bro like i'm really starting to get bullish on ftt because i think 
FTX is going to capture a lot of the volume as it relates to derivative, you know, related trades. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're they're now powering a lot of new things, too. So they acquired Ledger X, which I had started using uh, probably 16 months ago. Right. It wasn't that much volume on there at the time, but they got acquired by FTX. And we already know FTX became this darling in a matter of two years because of these different like jump products and you know leverage products but i strongly believe that they're going to be one of the main not the only i want to be very clear to people out there uh but one of the main beneficiaries of this rise in derivative trading volume over the next several years i think and the way i look at ftt is how i looked at uh, um um bnb right these exchange tokens BNB went crazy last year because of all the volume that was happening on Binance, all the different types of products that they were rolling out. And so I think it's only a matter of time because these institutions are thirsty, right? But how do you get exposure to more exotic trading products, right? Because that's that's what's going to get more and more institutions coming in. Now, Coinbase will never have their own token. And I'm not going to talk about it here, but I know... I know for a actual fact, 1000% they will never have their own token. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, but FTX does have their own token. And if you look at just the increase in volume on their platform, I've started to get like really excited because I'm like, yo, this shit really low key is their secret weapon. What's the benefit of holding an FTT token? Like, what's the If you know. If you don't. Well, know. I don't. Uh, to my knowledge, and look, I'm still doing new diligence here, but I'm about 80% of the way through like finishing up my thesis on it um, and making a decision on whether I want to put bread, like some real bread behind it or not. Uh, but to my knowledge right now, I don't know if there's any rewards, right? I think it's just holding a spot position to a token that's correlated with that exchange, right? Um, and I'm going to, on our next episode, I'm going to come back to this, like, because by then, uh, uh, I've been start doing research into this particular trade like three weeks ago three four weeks ago uh so i'm not ready just yet but i'm starting to get very bullish on it um and then we also saw they had some news this week they had a few things this week where they were partnering um you know with uh, uh new products right they're doing they were announcing partnerships and ftx was powering you know a lot of these these things so 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 there's a token so the way that ftt works there's a um, token burn that's equal to 33 percent of all the fees generated on the exchange 10 percent um of the net additions to the insurance fund and then five percent of the fees um, from other uses on the platform so it seems like there's like a share repurchase mechanism that's driven from demand on the platform um that said yeah, that said, I, I don't know the initial token launch and distribution, and just yeah. So like investors have sixty nine percent, the founders have thirty one percent. The thing that concerns me about some of the things like this is um, the fact that their valuation is so high in the private realm. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I wonder the downside um, pressure that exists from insiders 
that are getting, that are sourcing liquidity by the proxy of that news on the back end yeah. into the token market. And like those are some of the things that's hard to know because like we said, we don't really have the SEC regulation and some level would be helpful for stuff like this. Um, but like these tokens, like I, I agree, FTX is super well positioned. FTC seems like a proxy, but there's that uncertainty and the lack of disclosure. Right. It makes issues like that difficult because you know some of these VCs are getting token allocations yeah. and they're locked up in the they're locked up in the equity. But what are they doing in the token? Yeah. Are they are they front running liquidity there? Yeah, you know what I mean. After the news, I, I don't know. No, no, I'm glad you, you know, touched on that because that's one of the risks like that had went down is like the market cap. Um, I'm not, you know, too happy about how high the market cap is there. Uh, another one that I'm looking at is Vega protocol. Uh, the ticker is V-E-G-A, uh, like the protein powder that they sell at Whole Foods. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Vega protocol is another one that I'm looking at. Um, I've turned sour on synthetics. And I'm not going to touch on it right now, but when we come back to the next episode, when we really dive deeper into derivatives, I will tell you why. But I have, I've been sour on synthetics and then, you know, I looked at Lyra Finance, which is built on synthetics. Um, Lyra is very interesting because the user interface is amazing. That's what I like about it. Uh, the other one that I've had some people mention to me was DopeX, I believe. Um, the ticker is DP... DPEX or I could be wrong um, somebody fact check me on that one but I didn't like the user interface like if you go to their if you go to their website um, it, it's it's not the most approachable thing right and so I'm looking at it from what is approachable to retail and what's and who's going to capture a lot of that volume on an institutional level right so I want hopefully I can find something or get more comfortable with something that does both but if you go to uh dopex's website which is uh app dot uh d-o-p-e-x dot i-o it's incredibly fucking confusing it's it's just like wait what's going on what is eth sslv like you know what i mean like i i, I really wasn't feeling it <laughs> uh at all so but i know that their, their token price is trading at uh, a little bit of above eighteen hundred dollars right right now um, but we'll see. Like the verdict is still out. But we're we're, we're definitely gonna dive deeper into derivatives, not on this episode, but on, you know I, I definitely want to touch on it more on the next episode. But I am doing a lot of research in this area. Matter of fact, it's it's the only thing I'm researching. Shout out to anything like that, but yeah, man, look. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited about uh, options trading <laughs> because, boy, would I love had loved to take out some puts on Doji when Elon was tweeting about it a year ago. What are using Jim Cramer as a contra signal? You know what I mean, like. Uh, but yeah, look, people. Always remember to consult with a licensed financial advisor. 
before you make any type of investment in a security, in an NFT, in art, whatever the case may be. Make sure you sit down and you break bread with them right before you make any type of investment decisions. This podcast is not for investment advice. It's for entertainment. You know what I mean? Free game education. That's what we're here for. Um, But it's always a pleasure talking to our listeners. Shout out to every last one of you. Feel free to shoot us some feedback. Um, Shoot us an email if you got some comments, uh, a question, a chart that you want us to look at. Rush is still the chart guy, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm sure if you invested in Peloton, (laughs) we know what your chart looks like. (laughs) And I suggest you call the 1-800 hotline for counseling or just find some help. Um, But yeah, with that, we out, man. Trading places. See y'all next time, people. One. Uh, Let me stop it.